FBI! If the bus blows up, he wins. Hello and welcome to the Onithology presents the Keanu Copia. I'm Alex Bolletti. This is Ben Hyten over here. Hello. Yep. Uh, and if I sound a little bit bunged up and a little bit shit, it's because I've got a little bit of a summer cold. Um, I have had a COVID test and it came back negative. Well done. Thanks. Good work, man. And uh, also, want- just on that. For anyone who who's worried about the tests, because there's been a lot of talk about it being oh, right. invasive, uncomfortable, and that really not that bad. Don't they put like a really big thing like up your nose and then something in your ear and then it's it's a, it's a swab. Um, I actually did it at a test center where I did the test myself uh-huh. with some guidance. Uh, you swab both your tonsils, or if you've had your tonsils removed where they used to be. Um, so if you've got a particularly sensitive gag reflex, that bit's not particularly pleasant. And then you use the same swab to push into one of your nostrils. Oh, you do put up your nose uh, uh, right. up into the cavity. I was you joking. Just swab yeah. it around. That's it. It's it's look. It's mildly uncomfortable, but yeah. it, it honestly, it takes no time whatsoever. Don't be afraid of it. Go get it done. Yeah. Okay. We review. If you this first time listening, we review every single one of uh, various actors' uh, careers, their whole career, their major cinema releases. That's what we do. Get down. In order, yeah, that was an Arnie impression. That was our first first season. Second season was uh, Tom Cruise. Woo! Yeah, there's the Tom Cruise catchphrase. And season three was a weird departure from that formula. We we um, tried to find forgotten films, gems. The fuck's this shit? Couldn't find anywhere else. That's pretty much what most of our fans said. And uh, season four is Keanu Reeves. The bus blows up, he wins. Yeah, whoa, excellent, excellent, and um, and and that's 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 what we're doing today. Today we've managed to make it up to nineteen ninety five, and we yep. were at nineteen ninety five last episode. With speed today, we're doing uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Actually, speed was ninety four. Anyway, uh, we uh, we are we're up to Johnny Mnemonic. Um, ben, before we start, just a little little thing. Mm. You ten Ben. Well, really, to the audience, Ben tends to put the, the Keanu Copia on the descriptions of iTunes and stuff like that, that it's Alex Belletti and Ben Hyten. That's mm. just, I think that's just him being kind of nice to me. This this, this is really Ben's show. I'm, a, I'm his sidekick. Well, can I tell you why I do it that way? Yeah, why? Because on both first and second names, you beat me alphabetically. So it's A-B just an, beats BH. Like, like so. credits, the same way you'd list people alphabetically in credits. Yeah, plus, you know... I'm, you don't care. Everyone knows but, I'm the but, brains of the operation. I hope they do. That's the point <laughs> I make. That's actually the point I'm making. I think it's fair that people do know that how much work, time, and energy you put into it. Ben does a lot of research. I can never be bothered. He looks up stuff. He's got an enormous amount of film knowledge, and he edits all of these. He spends time and energy and money editing these things and uh, promoting on Facebook and all that stuff. So it's like, Really, if it wasn't for Ben, this would literally just be a series of recordings that I keep on my desktop and listen back to on my own. I mean, so. it's not much more than that in its current state, but yeah. 
it, 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 it's got some value to some people. Some people like listening to it on their drive home. They do. No, we've got a, we've got a really nice fan base and, and people seem to genuinely enjoy listening to our bloviations. Today, we're reviewing Johnny Mnemonic and Ben, how, how hot are you coming in on this? Well, I, look, I think you and me are going to be mostly in agreement on this film. I'd be surprised if we're not. I think I'm also going to piss you off a little bit because I've been really looking forward to this film. Now, I want to be really, really clear, and I'll probably restate this many times over the course of this episode. Uh, this is not about the quality of the film necessarily, what I'm saying. but Our, our thoughts but and there is are not. There is something significant about this film. And I think regardless of its failings or its successes, creatively, commercially, you know, whatever you want, uh, subjectively, objectively, um, this is a significant film. And it does, Johnny Mnemonic is a, is a title that still means something 25 years later. So much of the reason for that, some of that is because of the failures of the film, but so much of the reason that this is still a significant film is because it is written, the script was written by William Gibson, who is the father of cyberpunk. Yes. Yes. He coined the term cyberpunk. He coined the term cyberspace. He was one of the first science fiction writers to talk about digital technologies, virtual technologies as a matrix. Yeah. Um, a, a, a world within a world that we will right. increasingly rely on. And this yeah. is this is not just an adaptation of one of his short stories, Johnny Mnemonic, but also the screenplay was written by him. So this was one of the first big budget Hollywood movies to try and address and explore this concept of cyberspace in a you know a fictional setting. And this came right. out at a time when Hollywood was fairly obsessed with this. We'd had already uh, the Lawnmower Man, which was trying to explore the possibilities of virtual reality. Uh, yeah. The same year that this came out, we had Sandra Bullock in The Net, which, upon the recent passing of Carl Reiner, I found out was his favorite movie, which is fucking oh brilliant. <laughs> That's amazing. I kind of want to watch The Net again. I remember thinking it was awful. He wrote about The Net like, all the time. He would just randomly go on Twitter and start talking about how much he loved The Net. Well done, Carl <laughs> Reiner. Great. That's great. Um, and then a year after this, we had Hackers, which is a film that I never really liked, but it certainly has a massive cult following. Oh, I've got to watch it again. It's got Johnny Lee, Mi Johnny Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny Lee Miller, yeah. Angelina Jolie. It's Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah. Fisher God, Stevens. I've got to watch it again. But it's like, I love this genre of movie, like this specific genre as well. It's like, I, I like sci-fi, yeah. but it's this 80s, 90s sci-fi. Okay. And I think there's a lot of 90s sci-fi that suffers from just not understanding technology and what can happen like what's possible technologically but also i'm not saying that these imagine the things that are imagined or the futures that are imagined in these films are completely impossible there's just this element of it suffers from i guess you could say not guessing how the technology will develop it's yeah so i know what you mean thing. there's a rudimentary kind of approach to like technology has one function that that's how it feels a lot of the time this thing does yeah. one thing Whereas, yeah. realistically, very few technologies do only one thing. A, a vacuum cleaner does one thing. A computer does yeah. a billion things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so there's the sort of the convergence of technologies that we've seen that are actually real. And and this film's set in 2021. Yeah, set next January. <laughs> and and what's interesting is that there's, an op there's a, what do you call it? The title card, I guess. Oh, the or, opening crawl. Uh, 
the opening. Uh, well, there's the opening crawl. We need to talk about that. But like, yeah, we do. Oh my God. Yeah, we do. We got we got lots. Okay, hang on, wait, 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 wait. Okay, pause. Let, let, I've just got to summarize what this film is before we go any further because I, I feel fine. we're going to yeah, be jumping yeah. all over the place. This is the story of Johnny Smith, I believe his name actually is, the titular Johnny Mnemonic, played by Keanu Reeves. He is called a mnemonic courier. And and what that is is that he sells real estate in his brain through an implant that allows him to store data that can then be smuggled to a place where it can then be downloaded, de-encrypted, and this is a, a form of cyber espionage, essentially. It goes wrong because A, he uploads too much for the capacity of his brain. And my God, there are so many jokes here. They write themselves. The people that he is smuggling data for are all assassinated. And if he doesn't get this data to where it needs to be within 48 hours, he is going to die. Or within 24 hours, yeah, actually, I think. That's that's the premise. That's yeah. the premise. What, the, what okay. this data is, we don't necessarily know. Yeah. It's yeah. encrypted. And we're, there's more about like the world that that's set in, yeah. like who's in charge and how, who runs things and all that. Um, and again, well, Ben mentioned that it's written by William Gibson. I, If you watch this film, I can't think of another example. Well, I'm sure there are many examples, but where I watched the film and it's got lots of interesting concepts yeah. in it. And it's like, I really want to read the book now. Like, that, that you almost feel like you have to because the book can't be as Well, it's bad. only a short I story. Know. I think it's... if you're going to read anything by William Gibson, it has to be Neuromancer. That's his most yeah. acclaimed, it's Fine. most influential work, yeah. Yeah. So again, the, the conceptually, this film feels like it's all over the place. I mean, but there's still interesting themes. So yeah. this title comes up on the screen saying the internet 2021, yeah. but like it's trying to establish the idea that it's a place. Yeah. Even though it's in cyberspace, even though it's virtual, we're locating you in a place. It's quite a nice touch to say, Oh, where are we? We're, we're on the internet. Yeah. Now, that would have been so much more impactful if it looked like identical to reality, for example. If it was like drone footage over flying over a city, but it actually said, okay. like, where are we? It's like, it's this is the internet. Yep. And so the hype, like if it was hyper real, really high re- resolution, it's like, again... Like Ready Player One. Yeah. But this, this film is in the specific genre of movies that don't quite get it right. Um, and 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 I I'm very interested in them because they suffer a lot of the time because of the effects not being able to get the concepts across in a way that feels believable. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not saying they don't suffer for other reasons. They might, but there's a particular brand of sci-fi that came out of the 80s and 90s that it was a, a largely sort of technological paranoia stuff. Yeah. Um about the effects of technology and it was born out of and written written out of this fear that we don't know what this technology is going to do to us but we can see in the present this is where we're headed so let's imagine some disastrous scenario and in this world the disaster scenario is nas nerve nerve attenuation syndrome yeah so it's it's, it's overload of yeah of information but that will gradually kill yeah, you to it's, your nervous system it's, 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 it makes a, it break down essentially yeah it's quite literally a computer virus on your body yeah 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 that that is but, the, that is but thematically what it's talking about is 
the more that we are bombarded with information, the more that yeah. we rely on these electronic landscapes that you know the cyberspace of which Gibson's talking about, the harder it will be to unplug, the more that we will essentially yes. become drone cyborgs slaves to a, a new system yeah. um, and so this is about a, a fight against that system and or or at least not necessarily a rebellion but you know living within the different layers of that system as an independent still having the ability for independent thought um there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that is is interesting in this the idea of addiction i'm always interested in films that yeah. deal with addiction in different ways and we talked about this slightly with dracula where you know the idea of the thirst for blood is is analogous to any kind of chemical addiction yeah this is a very different kind of addiction this is a an addiction to distraction it's it's the fear of what happens when you park your kid in front of a telly as yeah. it, as its teacher and its babysitter but we've seen yeah. And this is why Gibson is so significant, is that he was talking about this stuff in the early 80s. You know, the, the internet was not something that everybody had in no. their house no. until the mid-90s, really. Yeah, yeah. And even then. No, even then. It really wasn't until 2000s that it really picked up, early 2000s. So, like, it's, you know, So the decades. internet was brand new. This year, the internet was brand new. Yeah. You could get access to it in 1995. Yeah. So... You know this this predates social media by decades, and it's oh, it yeah. would be very easy to say you know that was the ultimate enslavement of our brains. It's in our hands, and we yeah, can yeah, just yeah. access it all the time. Yeah, so yeah. there is interesting stuff in here, and I think it's it comes with a certain bit, a certain amount of credibility because it's Gibson himself writing the words. Doesn't mean that this is a good script. No. <laughs> no. but the ideas in it are solid even if they are from you know um a, a vantage point of 25 years later slightly more rudimentary than we would expect nowadays so somebody a person i was watching it was kept asking like but why does he have to put it in his brain yeah and i was like yeah good point like why and i said well i suppose a disc right Maybe it can't contain as much, at least in this reality. It can't contain as much. Our brains can contain more. Maybe it, there's a different level of encryption. I was just firing out all these justifications for it. But looking back, and this is the conceit of hindsight, that's kind of why these films get date badly. And that's what I'm saying I'm so interested in usually is how did we conceive of technology back then? How has it progressed since? Yeah. And actually, is it possible it could have gone down this route? Were it not? for other advances it's only because we've advanced in this particular direction that we can in a conceited way go back and go oh yeah it's stupid it's not the way it worked out it's like well could it have worked out that way it's quite interesting to me because conceivably they've got technologies that we way beyond what we do have now in 2021 hmm. but some of them it's like nobody has a mobile phone i think that's one of the things that's lost is we don't get a clear picture or i don't think anyway of what's happening on the streets you know what's 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 yeah. reality like for everyone else because we see what's happening in the corporate world we see what's yeah. happening in the underworld we don't yeah. see what's happening in the rest of the what world does norm, and, and what does normal life look like right and i think that's the stuff that's missing that you would have to go into gibson's writing it's usually what you do in the first five ten minutes or something you, you show it you show what normal life looks like yeah and i think i think if you can look past the the specificity of the technology and say, well, the ideas that Gibson was talking about and the ideas that this filmmaker, Robert Longo, 
is trying to explore in the mid 90s even so updating it to that point and say well we progressed a certain point what is the logical extension of that with with the exception of the technologies themselves the impact of those technologies on the human brain you know very very prescient to have been writing about it even 25 years ago let alone 35 years ago so yeah I think that is what's really interesting to go back to, to say, well, they weren't that wrong, actually. They weren't that far off. Well, to some degree, they weren't They weren't that wrong. These films still raise important questions regardless of how they're treated. Yeah. And I think that those questions still remain relevant. Now, I point out that they don't have any mobile phones in it. It's like, they had cell phones. Like, we literally saw a movie before where Keanu's on a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. He's on a mobile phone. But I guess that's one of the things that I'm saying about we don't know what's happening in society. Like, is this supposed to be some sort of apocalyptic wasteland? You know, has there been some massive destruction of the cellular network? Because everything seems to be very analog. But that said, though, <laughs> there's no cell phones. There are faxes. Faxes <laughs> exist. Fax. Fax was the big thing. I, Still, I know, yeah. Back then, and that really sounds stupid now for a film set in twenty twenty one, doesn't it? It's so uh, Just uh, fax, fax it over, fax it over. But again, who knows? Like what's happened in this universe where they, you know, that maybe faxes end up taking over their more secure. You know, if if a massive company like Apple pushed the fax technology and made it cool and whatever, then maybe ends up things might end up getting faxed a lot more. No, I don't know. not in a paperless world. We're we're definitely not paperless, not yet. But no, we're not. But that's the that's the aim, isn't it? it if, is. Imagine if you had an iFax on your wrist, and okay. instead of an SMS coming out, it just went instead of a text, yeah. <laughs> little dot matrix. Be you know, instant. comes out. It would print out instantly. Anyway, all of this to say, I think the thing that we are skirting around is that there are not just one. There are significant failures in the adaptation of this work. And I don't think it's all the script. I think it's mostly how this was brought to life on screen. This is a a very unattractive film. Oh, my God. In my opinion. And it seems to be shot and edited with the panache and the style and the skill of... Do you know what it reminded me of the most? Do you remember the Highlander TV series that was on in the 90s? I love it. I love it. For that reason. This feels like that, though, doesn't it? Exactly. It's, uh, that's, that is the one. I mean, there's other ones. There's, there is a to- There was a Total Recall TV series. It was a bit uh, later, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, or I don't there... remember what year it was. But I, again, it's that got that aesthetic. But you're right. It's There's something about this aesthetic. It's like, this is my... I love this the same way that other people love B-movies. Like, And this is a B-movie, right? Pretty much. Yeah. It's got to be. Uh, and and there are action movies that, again, you could say fall in the same category, that are B action movies. But, but this film has, <laughs> this film's trying so hard to be an A movie. It it fail and it fails in my view at every single attempt on every level. Yeah. Script, dialogue, aesthetic, concept. It just it it fails. Well, I think to get to a, a feature that we don't do that often anymore. If you wanted to play reboot, remake, sequel, oh, whatever, God. on this, remake this film. Uh, 100%. Because I don't think the script is so bad. I 100%. think the well, direction of the script is really uh, bad. <laughs> okay. So when... I'll, I'll just skip to, skip to the end. 
the direct it, this the first credit it's like we put there with pride as soon as the film ends the second yeah. the movie ends directed by robert longo there yeah. it is yeah the person i was watching with immediately said the second that name came up huh, imagine if someone said to us that they're gonna kill us unless we watch this film every day for the rest of our lives <laughs> wow and i was like wow i laughed i was like there's no way how long would you last God. Because you've got to say yes, but then I, after two weeks, it's like, do it. I'd rather not die. So I just get into a routine where I was like, every morning, get it done, get out of the way. Watch the so, movie. so this is the other thing about it. First of all, Robert Longo never directed anything again. Not just a feature film. No. Never directed after this. Not, not an advert, nothing. He was doing music videos and Tales from the Crypt I was just going to ask, not a music video. This looks he, like he does not a have video. a direct credit from 1995 onwards, so this wasn't a great project for him. No, I think I think you shouldn't be proud of this, Robert Longo. I'm <laughs> but sorry, here's man. here's the here's the thing. This is this is clunky as hell, and coming off of speed, yeah, all, all the acting looks clunky. C- coming off of yeah. speed, which was so well shot, so well edited, beautifully it's, directed, it, it, very well, easy really. to take for granted how much filmmaking skill goes into a film like Speed. Now, I'm glad that we spoke about that at length. We did acknowledge it. And uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, spoilers, Speed is, as of right now, the number one Keanu Copia movie, right? So so I think coming off of, of Speed to watch this, it's a really harsh reminder in a lot of ways. It really is. Of how clumsy most action in the 90s was. And this... This how was the direction, norm. How much direction actors need? Well, they're, they're like within the same scene where they're definitely shooting. Well, pretty much definitely shooting that scene on the same day. The actors are acting in ways that don't match from one line to the next line. The actors just that. Oh, it's like change, lifeless, shifts. lifeless. And one of the one of the people worst served by or, it or over the top is um, Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Uh, yeah, cast completely against type in a in a cyberpunk movie. You know, this is a, the the lead of Black Flag. You know, really stick it to the man rock group, and they cast Henry Rollins as the dork. Why? He should be the Dolph Lundgren role, if anything. Not either Dolph Lundgren or the leader of the Ice oh, T. Ice yeah. T is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is Ice T. Ice T was fine. Good, good impression. He's all right. Yeah, Henry Rollins really struggles, I think, in this film because he, it's like someone's just holding up a cue card at SNL saying, you know, this is your line. That's how yeah. good his readings are. I'm not blaming him. because no, that's fine. Because like you say, all of the actors are suffering from that. And there's only one really? person, maybe two, that I think get away with it. One is Dina Meyer. This was her first big movie. We've talked about women that are 80s hot before. Dina Meyer is 100%. Is that his, that's his bodyguard in 90, the film. Yeah, Jane. Yeah, uh, Dina Meyer is one hundred percent nineties hot in my opinion. I think she's okay. an absolutely sensational looking woman. Um, and I think Takeshi Kitano, who plays uh, Takahashi, uh, yeah. the head of Pharmacom, I think he does okay as well. I think he comes yeah, out of it fine, fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I have a fun. I have a fondness for the actress that plays. I didn't write her name down. I have to look it up. But the actress that plays this kind of sentient AI. Oh yeah, that's like talking through the screen. So a Ger- German woman. She's like Cortana, isn't she? Not machine-like in any way at all. Like she's clearly uh, sentient. 
uh, they explain that she ends up being uploaded, basically. Yeah. She was the founder of PharmaCorp, and she got uploaded into this sort of sentient AI. And um, yeah, I, I think she's a really good actress. She's I know I know her from the Twelve Monkeys uh, TV series. Uh, her name is Barbara Sukowa. Any other notable mentions, Ben? Well, we've got Udo Kier, who we've talked about previously in yeah. My Own Private Idaho. He played Hans, the um, the guy that they that uh, Keanu in River Phoenix had a threesome with. Um, yeah. In this, he's playing Ralphie, who's like Johnny's handler or agent or whatever. Is he not in something else as well? Was he also in... May um, have been in Cowgirls. Cowgirls. Yeah, yeah. Cowgirls. Yeah. Um, so this was part of his 90s Hollywood resurgence. He would be in Blade in a couple of years' time. Um, right. He's fine. You know, he does what Udo Kier does. He's creepy. He, he does what he does. Yeah. and um, Awesome death. Gets sliced, he gets sliced in, in half. half. Yeah, sure. And he just, his body slides off of his body. Like. And we've got Dolph Lundgren, who is really yeah. hardly in the film, but he's playing like this evangelical one of my favorite lines in the film he's an evangelical street preacher who's yeah. um you know who's trying to lead a, a a spiritual flock in the future but really you get the impression that it's just a ruse it's just another claim to power it's not something necessarily that he believes in one of the characters even says that that like all he's really interested in is continually augmenting himself yeah to become yeah. more Sorry. powerful he's a hypocrite yeah yeah, yeah. talking about how shonky the, the, the filmmaking is I can acknowledge all of that and I can look at it and I can say this is not going to appeal to a lot of people. I don't think this is a good movie, but I do think it's a very watchable movie despite all of that. I think it's bordering on that line of like, this is so silly and this is so poorly acted that you could watch it and laugh at it, but it's not quite there. It's not quite... There are moments... It was there for me. Yeah, there, there are definitely moments. It was there for me. I agree with you. I'm really glad that you said it. Like, there is something about this aesthetic. There is something about the amateurishness of it, the plastic feel of everything. Yeah. That is strangely comforting to me, probably because yeah. we both grew up as young teens. It's just, it, that's all it watching is. Watching this shit. It's the era. I used to watch shit TV, and, you know, there's loads of those kind of shit sci fi TV series like Highlander. So, some of the problems with this film. We made reference to the opening crawl. So before even an ident for the studio, you get one of those, uh, you know, crawls that sets up the world that we're in. Blade Runner has a really great one of these. Both Blade Runner films, in fact. This one is so long and so dense and so packed with jargon and techno babble. (laughs) I think you could lose a passive audience before the crawl is even finished. Yeah. Uh, the person I was watching it with was we watched it through, and then they were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "I didn't, I didn't listen, I didn't pay attention to any of that. What is all that about?" Yeah. We had to go through it like line by line. What does that mean? What's black ice? Oh, it's not actually black ice. That's the name of the virus. Okay. What does wet wired mean? Yeah. What is wet wire? You know, you have to know. You have to be a sci-fi fan to understand that crawl. Like they didn't explain. This is a future where people can put data directly into their brains. Like that that's an opening line to understand the rest of the crawl. What why is it a big deal? Like, what's this black ice virus? How connected are we to technology? And weirdly, you don't really see that many people being that connected to technology. And there are films that there are films that treat this issue much better. Yeah. Like much, much better than this. Total Recall is one. 
films around the time even that treat that treat the issue much better so not even uh, a few years later you've got matrix obviously matrix but there's loads of film that that treat the merger of humans and technology with much more um respect or understanding of the nuances of what that might actually be like and the problems associated with it now we understand that much better now like as a society as a culture and it's still scares us right it it scares us what happens if you have implants and people can hack them there's always been a debate about what actually happens to a brain when you impart electrodes that are the size of neurons the same size as neurons individual neurons and do you end up with the same scarring the same issues um get you get scarring and inflammation around it and so you can no longer transfer information into the brain so it's not really a long-term solution for data transfer between humans and machines how there's a technological hurdle in that saying how do we create brain implants that you don't have to keep shifting it to different points on the skull to have sure. access to the brain also we ju- we just don't know until it's done what the effects are going to be um but this this year what's interesting is that people are heralding it as the beginning of a completely new age in how we interact with computers um, could it be yeah. the age of the singularity it, well this is this is one of the interesting things that we're discussing this movie uh there's going to be an announcement about what what this how this brain chip has advanced last year they said we successfully controlling a, a chimp is successfully controlling a computer with, with you know using this chip but that that's nothing new but it's like well the size is the thing it's smaller than a than a one penny piece you know one p and the claims of what this technology will be able to do not not just oh in 10 years time when we develop more notes no like second or third generation of these things within the next two to three years we'll end up with not just helping people with disabilities um, with hearing impairments you just bypass the ear yeah. um, all these sorts of improvements um, with mobility issues you bypass the spine but then they're talking about mental health improvements the ability to stream music into your head and what they're trying to do is also then say well we can connect this to your somatosensory cortex the part of your brain that just experiences the world right <laughs> so this is this is sort of ready player one territory mm. now where it's like well if we can just give you the experience of fighting in a war zone or whatever like through the directly into your brain that changes media completely so and we talked very recently at the beginning of one of our episodes about media experiences changing very dramatically and what that might be we may be able to within the next two or three years have the experience of having watched a film put into our brains without having watched it yeah yeah this like that that's the kind of thing that that we don't know how to talk about it because it's so unprecedented well the thing that really It'll terrifies me about be like this, asking though. somebody from the 60s to talk about social media yeah but uh, so let's take that as an example when before i say any of this i want to be perfectly clear i am not uh, a Zuckerberg fanboy, all right? So uh, don't attach any judgment to what I'm about to say. But when Zuckerberg had to, had to speak to, I can't remember if it was Congress or the Senate last year yeah. or the year before about, you know, misinformation and, and how it's controlled on, on right. Facebook, you basically had someone who's running a multi-billion dollar company, not even a particularly advanced tech company in a lot of ways, Facebook, but, yeah. but an, an omnipresent one, 
trying to explain to people, and again, I'm not being ageist, but, but you know, old white dudes in their 60s and 70s, what social media is, let alone how it works. Yeah, yeah. And the technologies that you're talking about, we have to be very careful about how these things are implemented, released. Yeah. There's a, a lot of ethical questions that need to be addressed here. Yeah. There's certainly room for exploitation and uh, invasion of privacy. 100%. There's even the, 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 the you know, ignoring the fact that we could be lobotomizing or crippling people. And I, I, what annoys me is that the technology, like you said, has been sat there for so long, ready to be tested, rolled out or whatever. And we we do not have the capacity within our infrastructure to have a reasoned ethical debate about not how right and why this technology no. should be implemented. No, because we, there will we're still always be talking about race issues. We struggle with the most so, with yeah. the most basic things on a partisan yeah. level, because there'll yeah. always be some old white guy with very fundamental beliefs who will just cry the same old shit that they have done for thousands of years, and there'll be no progress. And I don't need my playlist to play inside my head, right? That's a, a far-off no. thing that I'm not bothered about whether I ever I adopt that or not. Yeah, yeah. But the, the areas where this could be actually life-changing for people, yeah, yeah. they deserve that someone sensible yeah, who's not speaking 3,000-year-old rhetoric, you know, gets in the way of that yeah. stuff. When do I get the pearl? You know, the I can record my yeah. memories and play them back and win every argument right. ever. Right? Yeah, when yeah, do I get yeah, that? Win every argument ever. Until you, re- until you figure out that, like, oh, no, I've been wrong in every argument ever. And yeah. when I say, no, I didn't, I said that, you were wrong every time. And that will be the thing that will upset you. For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's from the first series of Black Mirror, it's called The Complete History of You or something like that. Yeah, and I think it's called The Grain, actually, not The oh, The Grain, you're right. It's Toby Kebble and I think Jodie Whittaker, isn't it? The current Doctor Who. Yes, it is. It is. Go and watch that. It's one of the best pieces of television that's ever so been made. So there's something that treats this kind of technology with, 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 with one with modern eyes, but much more realistic treatment of like, what would happen if... To bring it back full circle, the reason why I went into all that is to say that I don't think that this film has actually realistically dealt with the challenges associated with the technologies. No, because it's, it's... it's more preoccupied with being, you know, kind of an action film, an adventure film or it whatever. Um, yeah. And it, what's fascinating about Gibson as well is, as part of the release of this film, uh, I think it was Sony, I'm going to say Sony, with the studio behind it, they uh, decided this will be the first multimedia event, right? So we'll have uh, an online scavenger hunt for all the internet people. And uh, we'll also release it at exactly the same time as an interactive CD-ROM of the same thing. And and yeah. the the people who uh, unraveled this online scavenger hunt were $20,000. I didn't realize any of that. And we'll get William Gibson, because all of these nerds look up to him. We'll get him to answer people's questions about cyberspace. One of the first questions came up and William Gibson said, I don't actually use the internet. I don't know anything about it, I'm afraid. Amazing. (laughs) And when you know that, and then you look at this, you go, okay, he's looking at it on a conceptual level only. There's actually, there's very, he has an understanding of how uh, infrastructures work, how societies work. But wait, hang on. (laughs) Sorry, I just don't want to, I just don't want to skip past what, everything you just said 
that's remarkable that they tried to market the film in that way. It was a little ahead of it's its time. Yeah, in 1995, that's, that yeah. was a big ask. We weren't ready for it back then. And that's the thing. And so yeah. there's a film that we have to talk about slightly, which is The Matrix. Because The Matrix took that... It was only four years later, but it took that online yeah. branding because the internet was by then ubiquitous. Bandwidth yeah, was, was much better. Um, although yeah. we were still in the... Just got broadband, only just. Yeah, most people were still in the dial-up days, I think. Yeah. Um, but their online presence was was fantastic, and such a big part of their advertising campaign yeah. was whatisthematrix.com. Yeah. Now, yeah. there are some stunning similarities between this film and The Matrix. There are. Um, not least of all in the, the trench coat Yakuza that are running around this yep. film. The first time we see Keanu, we've gone from an opening in the internet within the space that's not dissimilar from the Matrix. If you turn those graphics into ones yeah. and zeros, you've got the Matrix. From yeah. that to Keanu waking up in his bed, which is yeah. almost identical to the bit after the, the Trinity prologue of the first movie. Yeah. And that's not... I don't believe that that's accidental because no. the Wachowskis owe so much to William Gibson. They so, they owe so much to Neuromancer that I think they, they looked they at this and went, look at what you had and look at what you did. Look at how he's dressed. He's, he's fucking Mr. Anderson. What, is his name John Anderson? I want to say it's Tom, but... It's something, Anderson. Mr. Anderson. It's Mr. Anderson is his name. Just the way he's dressed, he's dressed like Johnny Mnemonic. Like when he like in the suit and everything, there's a similarity there, and you're you're absolutely right to draw parallels. So thematically as well, yeah, yeah, I'm oh, finding definitely. I find myself writing. It's Neo again with the savior. Yeah. He's yeah. the savior, and he's got a kick-ass girlfriend. And there's so many like structure-wise D- downloading everything you need to know. It- the only yeah. difference is that he doesn't he doesn't have access to the, have access the to it. Yeah, the no, skills or the data. That's all. I mean, really, is there any difference between him putting the visor down, plugging into the implant in the back of his head, and slipping the fucking yeah. whatever that cord yeah, is the in the Matrix? Is infinitely better in dealing right. with So dealing here's with what I wanted to say. Yeah. Here's what I wanted to say. I think, don't change the script. Re- take all the faults okay. that are in the script. Fine. Give it to a visionary director. Okay? Yeah. And you've got an earlier version of the Matrix. You do. I think... The Wachowskis would have looked at a film like Johnny Mnemonic and they would have said, if we sell our script and we let someone else make it, there is a really decent possibility that Johnny Mnemonic is what it ends up like. And that's why they fought so hard to say, we've got this killer idea, but we have to make it because our vision is not just what's on the page. It's, It's a revolutionary way of looking at this stuff. And the, and the, the quantum leap in style and execution between Johnny Mnemonic and The Matrix is difficult to over-exaggerate. Yes, it's you can't. You can't. So, so much of what is great about The Matrix is yeah. the approach the Wachowskis took to it. Yeah. This film, Johnny Mnemonic, just moves from one scene to the next scene and it's and they they shoehorn in bits of dialogue to explain why they're moving on to the next thing. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work on so many levels, and you you know there's like this. <laughs> okay, I have to say this. There's this one transition from 
a moment when Keanu and uh, his bodyguard they arrive at Ice T's compound. Yeah. There's these two dudes, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern characters, just they're like they're guards and they're trying to. It's it's kind of funny. Their dialogue's kind of funny. For some reason, this guy just gets it into his head that he's going to drop a bug on. It was called a bug. It's it's a beetle. We call it a VW. It looks beetle. like a Volkswagen beetle. Yeah, actually. they call it a bug in America. Right. Okay. And they're just ready, seemingly ready to go as these flaming, uh, explosive bombs that they just drop down on people. Like you have to like be in the drop zone. It's kind of a lame defense yeah. system. It's yeah, like you need to be is. right underneath it. But the point is, is that. He sort of accidentally does it, but is going to do it anyway. He trips up and does it, but he's he's intending on doing it. The other guy tries to stop him, but it just sets off this thing. And it just falls down and explodes. There is no reason to do it. No reason at all. And it was just... The only thing I could think of was, oh, they haven't had an explosion yet in the movie. Well, that... And also, later on, it becomes a beacon that allows... Takahashi and I don't know the guy with the laser rope thing, what he's called, but the the, but the two antagonistic parties, laser rope guy, find the you know find Ice T's base of operations because that's lit up like a beacon. That okay, so the, so it's a, it's a plot device there, but then Keanu has like a massive meltdown uh, uh, after yeah. this. Like yeah. his speech kind of goes like this: he screams out loud, he's had enough of wait, it. Wait, 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 start, start, start. I wrote yeah. down the words. So, I've got them. All right, okay. Are you are you going to do them in the style of Keanu? You go ahead if you want to, man. I, but see, start, I, yeah. If my lungs weren't absolutely fucked with whatever I've got, I would totally do it. All I want to say about this is, on the page, not terrible dialogue. Not the best, but not terrible dialogue. As performed, it is Nicolas Cage level shoutiness, isn't yes. it? That's, I wrote the exact same note. Yeah. This should be Nick Cage, right? There's other other areas of the film where I'm like, you know what? This might be better if this was Arnie instead of Keanu. Like, it's got a kind of... It has a total recall vibe to it. So Keanu's like, what the fuck is going on? What's going on? Like, he's just so... And what the weird thing is that at this point in the film, I'm saying that. I don't know what the fuck is going on. This is crazy, this film. <laughs> it's actually... It's actually... It's really... I'm not saying... That it's hard necessarily to follow. Yeah. It's just if you if you're the kind of person that sits in a film and goes, why don't they just do that? What why don't they just do that? You do not bother watching this film. Like you have to be able to switch that off to enjoy this movie. It doesn't make sense. It's you just have to have to accept that it's a reality that went way off the rails. It's not the reality that we're headed towards, but arguably we could be. I don't know, but it doesn't make any sense. He is ripped out of his normal life and he doesn't understand what's going on and he shouts i want room service i want a club sandwich i want the cold mexican beer i want a 10k a night hooker i want my shirts laundered like they do at the imperial hotel in tokyo so this is his big it's it's it really should have been in the beginning of the film because this is the equivalent of the disney I want song, right? Because what he's saying is there's there is something quite interesting to his character in a sense in that we find find out that he sold the real estate in his brain that was his childhood. He had yeah. his childhood erased, removed yeah. so that he had room for this implant to be a mnemonic courier. And he's yeah. doing all of this for that money so that he can get out of the the rat hole or whatever he calls it. That is the level of society that he lives on. 
yeah. and just be a part of the elites. He, that's what he wants. It's, it's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. I want the ten k night hooker. I want to be up yeah. there. There is so much room, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That, that's but it's the only point. It's the only point in the film where that's ever said. We don't have an understanding of this society. No, but it's like that for all the characters. Yeah. Don't know their motivations. Don't understand really what they're doing. Don't understand. Don't. They're not. It's not believable. Like you don't believe that these actors are there. But who who in the Matrix does that remind you of? Cipher. Yeah. I want to remember nothing. 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 I don't want to be important. Like an actor. It's yeah. So it's Cipher. He's having his Cipher moment. He wants to be plugged in. That's what this character wants. He doesn't want to be free, and he doesn't care about what they're about to go and meet. He doesn't care about the low techs missions. That's the problem. Is that he doesn't really have. He's not an easy to root for hero, is he? He's he's arguably not a hero. No. Which is something that's probably much more interesting on in a in a book. You know yeah. that he's this aimless protagonist who's doing it for very selfish reasons, and he's caught up in a larger conspiracy. This is a well-worn thing. This is like what private yeah. eyes in noirs are. They just they want Same. their five hundred bucks, and and that was what Gibson was going for was the future noir. Similar this, this to Deckard in, in, in Blade thing, Runner. Definitely. Right. This is a tech film. But once again, we come down to the failing of the film through the visual medium. There's none yeah. of that feel. And I think one of the things that's, that's absolutely crippling to this film is that it came out in the era of grunge. And so they go for that grungy feel, yeah. the grungy soundtrack. Whereas actually, if this was done a little bit more in the Blade Runner style... It'd be much better. His character would certainly fit in more. Yeah, yeah. You know, why don't we see Keanu, like, at least Keanu's normal life? Why don't we see him complete a mission successfully and introduce the characters through that and then watch it go wrong, you know? Or, or have an A and a B story for the first 10, 15 minutes where we meet um, Spider and those people and, right. and maybe they, they end up bumping into each other. This could easily be remade, like, so easily to be okay. I, w- and I would yeah. love, yes. And, I mean, yeah. people are still trying to get things like Neuromancer made. And it's kind of the John Carter effect of like, well, so many films have come out that have stolen from the source material. Is there any point even adapting the source material anymore? Yeah. Right. And The Matrix really put the the nail in the coffin on that one, I think, because it's like, well, this is basically Neuromancer. You know, this is the closest we're going to get to it. So why yeah. bother? The whole reason why I went into that Keanu speech was because there was a moment then Ice-T after that sort of comes descending on this little lift that comes down from from what looks like some bridge it looks like this could be new york but i don't know yeah i think it's so. a city that's fucked up and that could be the manhattan bridge for all i know and he just comes down off down off off of the the main headquarters base area which is just basically a junk pile on this broken down bridge and he's like where are you like like what are you doing here whatever and then uh, jane says Spider sent us. So Spider is the Henry Rollins character. Yeah, yeah, Henry Rollins, yeah. Where is he? Dead. And then he looks over at the explosion that just happened. Like that spider's truck that just <laughs> blew up, right? Yeah. And and looks over at the explosion and she went he went she went, No, not in there. Earlier at the hospital. And this scene looks it's representative of what most of the scenes look like, but it's so bad, it literally looks like the actors just arrived stood on their marks and went so what scene is this? it's rehearsals it all looks like rehearsals it's the one where it's the one where spiders 
well, Spider's truck's just blown up. Like, and he looked. No, no, Spider's not in that truck. He died earlier in the earlier scene at the hospital. And and Icy just goes, eh, shrugs, and they go off. And it's like, what the fuck is that? Well, but I had that feeling about so many of the scenes. Yeah. And in order to compensate for the fact that it was bad, what you end up with is either wooden performances, like where people are trying to look serious, yep. and but it ends up looking wooden, or melodramatic yep. things, where they're like, I'm an actor and I want to act, so I'm going to show you I can. And then the director just went, okay, cool, and didn't care no. if it fit into continuity or this fit is- with the... What, the other actors' performances or anything. This is the problem that with putting someone who does music videos in charge of a narrative feature. So often, not always, but so often, it, everything is is about trying to make something look cool and yeah. not paying attention to the nuances but of what I don't actors even need. Think it succeeded there. It, it doesn't, and that is more subjective. But I think it's it's again, it's a very nineteen ninety five movie, isn't it? it yeah, it, but even for that time. I agree. I don't think this is heralded as one of the films that, like, oh, it's so cool looking. No, no, I I agree. Of course it isn't. But there are films from that era that endured for how cool they look. No, yeah, I'm not not questioning that. But I'm saying that, like, this is what the... There was an idea of cool that the director was going after. And that seems to have been the primary uh, driver for him. Obviously, yeah. Um, So we are talking a lot about the, the things that maybe aren't so great in the film. I thought there were a couple of things in it that genuinely were pretty cool. I was wondering if there's anything that you thought okay. stood out. The thing that stood out was this this aesthetic. The aesthetic of the film was the thing that stood out for me. I there was the only thing that I thought that's quite cool that they made use of was this laser rope. Definitely. That that's quite a cool weapon that stood out for it was me. Good effect. They used it just enough, like so you could see yeah. what was going on. So what this is, it was like um like a garrote or a cheese wire, but it's yeah. It's a it's laser, so it slices yeah. through people's necks and people's limbs like nobody's business. It's a brilliant yeah. weapon. It, it was done to good effect. Cool, yeah, and they they used it well. And actually, it was one of the few effects in the film that was really effective. Yeah. Well, one one another thing I thought was quite cool is there's a moment when Keanu's going from one territory to another and he has to scan his passport, and they said dyslexia implant active or something. Is Keanu Reeves dyslexic? Do you know? He is, and that was yeah. that was kind of a little like so. It misreads what his implant is initially. It misreads oh, that it's funny. that's corrective for dyslexia. But yeah, so that's yeah. why that line isn't there because Keanu is dyslexic. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's what then made me think of Neuralink and its implications because yeah. again, it's one of the things that is the claim of a chip that's coming out this this year, the same year this is set, that could correct a lot of those. Yeah types of um disabilities there's one one scene that i think although the effects have aged i I still think it was very cool for 1995 and i think we've seen it done in other films especially minority report uh, a bit later on is about probably about halfway through the film keanu says i need a computer yeah and so he accesses the internet (laughs) and he has his uh, VR There's mask your drug, on. Your drug link. He says it like he needs it, like a drug. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. So he has his VR mask on. He has his VR gloves on, and he and he's like accessing the internet and moving yeah. things around and typing and and all of that mm. in the virtual space. And I, I still think that was a really cool scene. I thought that looked really good. It's cool, and it's it's got a kind of an energy and a coherence yeah. that is lacking from so much of the rest of the movie. 
And if you think that's, about that's if you think yeah. about how Tom Cruise interacts with the the memories, that's it. In, yeah, in my report, it's, it's yeah. similar to that, and I think that's it just is, a yeah. more advanced version of what so, this film is doing. The thing that, that kept taking me out of the film. That's why I kind of laughed when you asked what's cool in it, is because there's so many things in it that are trying to be cool. Yeah, and but it's the same thing like with Minority Report. It's like, can you imagine the amount of time we spend? on the internet how tired you'd be if you had to interact with it that way yeah, yeah. it would be so yeah, yeah. exhausting and it's like interacting with things things in that way be- actually quickly becomes impractical regardless of how cool it looks yeah and so there's lots of things that did that there's a moment where he's making a long distance call she's like what are you doing he's like i'm making a long distance call to beijing and he opens up the keypad and he types on the keypad and he opens up this other thing that the device and it comes along and he has to move through cyberspace in this way and, and then he compacts the whole thing into a he's doing all this virtually and then he's making the call to beijing i'm like wow i just literally just call yeah. now like you don't Right. And you've got it's already encrypted. It's like you d- also yeah. you mentioned the lack of cell phones in this, but he's got that <laughs> massive fucking red phone. Yeah, it's it's got he's a carrying red, red. Like it looks almost identical to like the kind of phones that like somebody who works for the landline telephone company who climbs the pole yeah. to do it. They use one of those devices to like hook into the diagnose yeah. the system or something. Yeah. That's what he's carrying around. Any more cool things? Because I'm really low on like. No, what that was, was cool it. Really, I, none of the action. I've got lots of things I found funny. Yeah, none of the action really worked for me in this, and that's that's the big failing of it. I think there's like, well, oh, okay, no. there's like action, one one kind of cool shot of when the um, I I don't know what she is, but she's part of Laser Man's squad. She's got a rocket launcher and she's firing rockets into yeah. the underneath of the bridge. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a decent shot. It's a decent effect. Yeah. That's it, really. Yeah. She gets it, really. killed with a... Crossbow to the mouth. Yeah, a crossbow through the mouth. That's it. Thanks to ST. It's extraordinary. Could we talk a little bit about Dolph Lundgren? Sure. What is there to say? I mean, in terms of oh, this, the scale of acting that you were talking about, he's definitely going big. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's got another range, though, is it? I mean, he's pretty good at Universal Soldier, actually. Yeah, I, I, the I like latest one. I like Dolph Lundgren. I've got time for him. But I, I really did like him in the latest one as well, especially. And Creed 2. He's really good in Creed 2. Oh, right, yeah. What was the Rocky that he was in? Rocky Four. Rocky Four, right. I must break you. But it's extra- It's really cool that they get him. He's playing the same guy, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ivan Drago. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've got time for him. He certainly, we talked a lot about uh, in season one about Arnie being a presence on screen that uh, certain directors saying, no, Schwarzenegger is the effect. You don't yeah. need special effects. He's the effect. I think the same can be said of Dolph Lundgren, you know. Yes, but not in this film. No, no, not at all in this film. And as we said, he plays this... He's a street preacher. He's a street... Exactly. That's about... He's a cyberpunk street preacher who... Is he pre- preaching an anti-technology thing? Is that, yes. I, and really again, I think it's... it's Yeah, it's an idea that I feel is probably lost in adaptation. But I think that's the idea. It's a mockery of evangelists who, uh, on the one hand, preach about... Um, you know, good, wholesome family values. And then on the other hand, they're siphoning off your money to buy private jets. And I think yeah. he's doing the same sort of thing. He's like, unplug and, and all of this while he is becoming more and more cybernetic himself. Yeah, right. My big yeah. problem with... Look, he doesn't come out of this film looking great. He doesn't no. come out of it looking terrible either. He's no. there. He's in a wig. My biggest problem with Dolph Lundgren's inclusion in this film is we don't see enough of him. And for a film that promises a fight between Dolph Lundgren and Keanu yeah. Reeves, 
No payoff for that. Deliver. No payoff for that. No. But he does have this one moment that made me laugh very, very hard. He, I, got, I don't remember the exact beats, but he ends up managing to. He has like a kill moment. It's a a moment where he's about to kill Jane. It's like it's not pretty obvious oh, okay. he can really right. he can really nail her. So he's got this moment where he can do like a pre-kill quip. Yep. Yeah. And he grabs her neck and he says, "It's Jesus time." <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> for <right>. me, <laughs> like it really got me because I was kind of a bit bored. You know, it's the final act; it's the end of the final act. The big fight's happening, and you just know how it's going to go. There's no tension, there's no drama in it. But to just out of the blue, here Dolph Lundgren in that moment go, "It's Jesus time," before he kills somebody is it's just, it's extraordinary. It's representative of how ludicrous this film is, really, on on so many levels. It's yeah, it's totally ridiculous. I, I like that moment, and it 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 really raised my spirits. I was like, Good. Really I'm happy, happy for you. Yeah, thanks, Jesus time. Uh, I think I'm going to use it a lot more now. Like it's Jesus time. It's gonna it solves everything. But what's so strange about it is, but well, that's what's so funny about it is that it's that incongruency you were talking about about evangelists and their values. It's like it's Jesus time, and I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Keanu then. How does he do? Yep. This is his first. Venture into science fiction, certainly not his last. I'll, I'll, I'll go first, if you like. Yeah, go ahead. He's terrible in this. Really bad, man. I, I don't know how anybody could be good in this, really, given everything we just said. Yes, I, this is a film where you can clearly say the director uh, did not work well with his actors. And I think Keanu is the kind of person who not only needs a good director, sometimes even that isn't enough. He needs a good director... And also to have the part fit to him. Now, given what we've said about The Matrix, I think there's obviously room for Keanu to have done good work in this film yep. with a different director. And Robert Longo's just not the guy. So, sorry, Keanu. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure... I, I have nothing more to yeah, add I'm, to I'm it sure we're not... You know I know for a fact we are not the first people to say Keanu Reeves no. is not very good in Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> I think I think he'd agree. I'd love to see what he thinks about this film, actually, now. Because I can totally see why he did it. What I will say about him, though, is, and this is sort of going back to where I started to say, regardless of the quality of the film, it does have a place in pop culture. Now, correct me if you can think of anyone else, but I think between this, The Matrix, A Scanner Darkly, which admittedly is Philip K. Dick, but it operates in a lot of the same world yeah. as, as William Gibson, and the upcoming video game Cyberpunk 2077, I don't think there's any actor more associated with Cyberpunk than Keanu Reeves. Huh, good point. Uh, I'm just trying to think if any of the Blade Runner actors can, did other cyberpunk stuff. I mean, maybe Rutger Hauer. He did a lot of uh, things yeah. that were playing off of the oh, Blade yeah, Runner world. a lot of stuff, actually. Uh, That's true. But not, certainly not Harrison Ford. So I'm trying to make a case for what I said at the beginning, basically, is that it probably wasn't a great film for Keanu Reeves' career at the time. It wasn't a great no. film for the director's career at the time. Didn't make anyone yeah. any money. But for some reason, it has helped solidify a certain portion of Keanu Reeves' image. I agree. And that's fair to say. And and I'd even throw in the mix. If you're going to throw in there, there's certainly sci-fi, if not cyberpunk. It's The uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. His character in that. There's elements of that sort of... The, the detachment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that match with... This character, Neo character. Yeah, again, it's... Well, what's interesting... Well, yeah, maybe that would be something 
interesting to come back to when we get there. But you know, the whole idea of that is that his body's just a vessel. Yeah, yeah, um, that's that is it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, let's come back to that. So, um, so staples. Staple wise, very thin on the ground. He's a John. He is a John. I think this is this is a tick for the philosophy conspiracy Fine. one. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's a moment early in the film where he gets a bit like fucked up basically by the, the download and he's like the first thing he says when he comes out of that trance he's like i need to use the bathroom or where's the bathroom or he get, goes to the toilet oh yeah basically. and he does and he does like this tai, kind chi. Of tai chi yeah, thing yeah, yeah. to sort of center himself because he's all fucked up and it kind of and it works but it's like that's keanu i i i don't think well i think that's brian blessed actually uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's probably less it So there's an element of that kind of spirituality yeah. seeping in. So as a as a tick for that, because there's something about his understanding about mind and body that he's using anyway to support his acting. And, and for sure, I agree with that. The only other one that I've got, honestly, is doing his own stunts. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not luscious hair. No, he doesn't guilt some. Although he does no. wake up with a woman at the beginning, doesn't play guitar. I, don't, I didn't notice any woes. No. The other one, I guess, that you could say is the inappropriate reaction shot because he's got <laughs> some bad... There's so many. He's got, yeah. There's so many. There is a big tick for yeah, that, actually. I'll give you that. But also, I'd argue that he's broody. He's not a stoner. He's a hunk, at least to what's-her-face <sighs> he is. Like, you know that... It's a real, it's a real stretch, man. Because I don't think he yeah. even looks that good in this movie. He's not a bro. He? No, he looks kind of gaunt yeah which you know towards the end of the film is by design but yeah he's just so stiff in this but you know there's a guy who's had his childhood taken out of his brain <laughs> yeah i know so you know right yeah the reason that i said doing his own stunts is he's there in the fight choreography regardless of how sloppy the choreography is but there are a couple of moments where he does a couple of really high kicks that are yeah. strangely impressive like he gets his foot way up above his head effortlessly yeah. So he must yeah. have already been doing some kind of stuff that was going to pay off in the Matrix. I agree. Like he does do that kind of kick where he kind of just he's just balanced so well balanced and his legs up and he just kind yeah, of which is pulls it back so down hard to do with perfect balance yeah. and yeah, there is a couple of kicks like that, isn't there, in the Matrix where yeah, yeah, yeah. he just shows off. Basically. But I mean, obviously for the Matrix, he did you know rigorous training and and what this says yeah. to me is that actually he already had a background in some of that stuff. I think he was probably yeah, already he was doing already it. probably doing martial arts or at least practicing on his own now alex yep got a little poem for you go ahead oompa loompa dippity doo <laughs> i've got some lovely numbers for you brilliant well done man it's your numbers it's your numbers budget 26 million dollar dues. No way. Which, you know, no put way. that in perspective, that is about 10 million dollars less than Dracula. So it's not that big. Fine. Salary. We're in the age now where I can get Keanu Reeves' salaries. 2 million dollars. So very nice payday for him. More than he got for speed, in fact. Fine. Worldwide gross. 19 million dollars. So this did... Whoa, but I'm quite surprised. What, that it did so poorly? It's still a flop. It's really bad. No. I, I'm surprised it even got that. Yeah. Like, it would not have shocked me if you said eight or nine million. Like, oh. But just one year after Speed, which was one of the biggest films of the year, you know, worldwide. I think I think that's the only reason it did. 
because it had Keanu Reeves in it the year after Speed. That's the reason it did all right. It didn't. It didn't do all right. Yeah, it did poorly. That's the reason it. It didn't do did abysmally. Yeah, as as abysmally as it could have. I, I think if if it was just the year before, even Keanu's career still wasn't. He wasn't a big enough name. This film would have could have tanked his career. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Keanu's performance in this. This was another Razzie nomination for him for worst actor. Yeah, yeah not surprised. I, I'm not too bothered about that. I think that's probably deserved for this one. It's fair, but it's not his fault. No, but still, it doesn't change the fact he's not great in it. I think the Razzies really had it in for Keanu at this time, though. Yeah, I can. The Rotten Tomatoes score for this is 13, which is obviously not very good. 13%. Yeah. There's a section on Rotten Tomatoes where it tries to conglomerate the uh, the general ideas of the critics into what they call the critics' consensus. And I, okay. and I just wanted to read this out because it, it made me chuckle. It's cheap. Um, Go ahead. As narratively misguided as it is woefully miscast, Johnny Mnemonic brings the 90s cyberpunk thriller to inane new woes. Uh... Lows. <laughs> I feel like I could have written that. Yeah. Which is probably why it tickled me. You did, didn't you? No, I did. You I did. didn't. I, did. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Okay. It currently sits on IMDb at 5.7, which is considerably high. higher. It's your numbers. So that leaves me to ask you, Alexander Balerdi Balls, what would you give Johnny Mnemonic? Ah. Uh. It's a solid one star, but it's getting a two because I had I had fun watching it. I had fun talking about it. I'm giving it a two because of because it has some kind of enduring legacy, you know, because of what it led on to, how it influenced people. It woke people up to Gibson ideas. I think it definitely influenced Wachowski's. The film not probably didn't, but it started off or was part of a glut of films that would move us in this direction towards the matrix and so for that it gets an extra star because it's relevant i guess in in that sense thematically relevant but and one for like it did an all right job of getting across some of those concepts but that's about it it's fun so two stars yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go two as well I, i i looked at some of the earlier films and i thought about going higher but honestly it's not good there is enjoyment to be had um, mostly ironic enjoyment, I think. But the the most interesting thing about it now, uh, you know, because of its place in history, is how this is the bad version of the Matrix, and actually why it's so amazing in a lot of ways that a studio would give the Wachowskis the budget to do the Matrix when they could point to this and say, "No, it's not going to work. <laughs> We've tried it yeah. before." Yeah, you know. So um, that that marks it as a, a significant cultural document for me. But yeah, I'm going two stars as well. Yeah. Okay. No surprises there. At the beginning, you said uh I might annoy you with some of this. I think we're gonna we're gonna be aligned on most of it, but I might annoy you. What was that? I was, what was it was that? really that I was gonna play up actually how enjoyable it is on a certain level, but it, it turns out that you were enjoying it on exactly the same level. Yeah. So. I have to say, as down as I've been on it I thought this was. I had a lot of fun watching this. Yeah, little bit too long. Yeah, so that leads us to say, actually, although this is available on DVD, it's it's not available in the UK at least for digital download. Uh, I don't know if you watched it this way, Alex, but I watched it on YouTube. It's it's in yeah. full on YouTube, and it yeah. claims there that it's the director's cut. I, I was going to do some research on what the difference is. 
I don't think there's much of a difference. I believe this is what's often known as the Japanese cut. So it runs about an hour 45. For anyone who's yeah. familiar with the theatrical cut, what the difference is there, I'd say it's probably five or ten minutes. So that's something that interested me, is that someone in the production, you mentioned the Japanese cut, someone in the production, I think, was influenced by anime. Oh, for um, sure. And and I, But I don't think that came through enough. Can you imagine if this was actually done as an animated film? Like an, a Japanese animated adapt- adaptation of the William Gibson book. Oh, in the style of Akira, forget about it. Can you imagine? Yeah, like brilliant, that, brilliant. I, that I'd watch. I think yeah, yeah. that would be interesting. And I think that's what it's going for. I think it's going for a live-action Akira it's kind of terrible, thing. terrible, though. It's it, terrible. It, it, but it was so difficult at this time. It would be yeah. so much easier now. And that's another reason. I, I'm sorry. So when did Akira come out? Oh, Akira was uh, late 80s. Yeah, so there's an influence there. but Definitely. It, Drop the ball completely. Like if it, it's, well, a, like, it's a big ask, though. It's a big ask. It is a big... For, for, yeah, it is. And yeah, there there were people around at this time that could have done it. In animation, I don't think in live action to to, to appropriate that look. There know. weren't very many that could have done it. Well, like, look at the scale of something like Blade Runner and how it, you know... Yeah. Um, I guess, you know. yeah, it could have been done. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about Ridley Scott. You're talking about one of the most visionary directors. Yeah. But arguably... The Matrix does. It's heavily influenced by anime. The style of the fighting, the the cuts, the yeah, the slow motion, yeah. And and yeah, the Wachowskis have, have said that you know if Akira didn't exist, the Matrix wouldn't exist. So there's definitely a through line there as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, that was Johnny Mnemonic. Next time on the Keanu Copia, we will be uh, watching. A romantic movie together, a little romantic drama called A Walk in the Clouds. Have you ever seen I can't this one? Wait. Nope. Yeah, I can't remember if I've seen it either. If I did, it was 25 years ago. No memory. I'm looking forward to it, though, because it will be a shift or a change from this yeah, kind of stuff. Be a little bit different. Uh, and yeah, I think Keanu has quite a few romantic movies, and I'm looking forward to getting into that uh, side of his career because I have to say, I've either not seen it or avoided it Fair enough. actually yeah act- actively avoided it um and yeah i'm open to learning more about what these movies might have to offer ben yeah how do we normally end this well until next time i guess that's probably it and i'd like to say now more than ever but really now more than ever people please be excellent to each other yeah and party on if you, if you can have a socially distanced party on i think you've earned it Yeah.